You're listening to From the Beginning. I'm Griffin Caprio here with my co-host Jen Dudley. This is a podcast about the people behind your favorite podcasts and how they got started. Today we're speaking with Adam Muchler. Adam is a friend of ours, having worked with Jen at a previous startup. We talk with Adam about his podcast, The Founder's Mind, fatherhood, and why he's already planning two more podcasts. Let's get started. We're here with Adam Muchler, partner with the Kadar Group, a leadership transformation organization where he's building his coaching and facilitation practice, primarily with aspiring leaders in both the private and public sector. Adam is also the host of the Founders Mind podcast, featuring guests from a variety of backgrounds and perspectives. Thanks for joining us, Adam. We're excited to chat with you today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show. So to get started, tell us a bit about yourself and the work that you do with the Kadar Group. So the Kadar Group, like you mentioned, it's a we work with teams on leadership, might say an organizational development company. It's all kind of the same. Um, and the work we do there is we work with individuals, teams, and organizations in the area of leadership. And I look at that as a big umbrella, basically what's in leadership. And we talk about communication, about trust, about how do you deal with breakdowns uh, when you're looking at a sort of at an organizational team level and when you look at individual levels, you know, how do you navigate imposter syndrome? How do you navigate difficult conversations? How do you navigate negotiations uh, and things like that? So that's kind of the Kadar group we do consulting, coaching, uh, group work. It, it's kind of, <laughs> I always get twisted when I talk about it because we do a lot and it just depends on what a client needs. Why do you decide to start the Founders Mind? One of the reasons why the podcast started was because I get a lot more energy from working with startups and with founders and entrepreneurs. I worked at Apple for seven years uh, and a startup for a couple years before I was with the Kadar group. And what I ended up doing was just reaching out to people and talking to people to start building a pipeline of, of work and just build new relationships in the tech and startup space. And what I found was I was having a lot of really interesting conversations and I was learning a lot from the people that I was meeting and from the conversations I was having. And I started to think to myself, not everyone gets to do this. And this is a part of my job is meeting new people and learning things. And podcasts are pretty hot and I'm an extrovert. So I like doing, you know, I like outreach. I like talking to people. So I thought to myself, why don't I create a podcast that captures some of these conversations? Because for me, there's a lot that we can pick up in a conversation and the way that my podcast is set up, that's that's essentially what it is. It's fairly conversational uh, and we get into people's experience and, and what they're working through. That was the foundation of getting into the podcast. So then what's the connection or is there a connection between the podcast and the business? I think it's a good question. And I actually think it's something that I'm still defining. I think one of the connections that I see is the more people I talk to and the more people that know about me and the work that I do and what I'm interested in, the more potential there is for work in general in my field of coaching and, and leadership development. So I think part of it is, you know, expanding, expanding my audience and expanding the audience of the work that I do, which is connected through the Kadar group. And then the other half is there's this, if it never monetizes or grows beyond an awesome hobby where I get to make an excuse to talk to someone that I want to talk to, I'm pretty excited about that. Gotcha. It's always good to be able to uh, kind of connect those two things and get inspired from one, uh, you know, from one to the other. Oh yeah, no, totally. One of the things that I think about is, I don't know if wedge is the best word, but I, I think about different areas of my work in my life and what's something that can 
uh, like what's a wedge that can get me in the door or get me into a conversation uh, that I'm not already in. And the podcast is definitely that. Uh, it gets me into conversations. And I've had, I think I told Jen when we, we spoke before, I've had publicists reach out to ask me about authors that, that are in their network that are writing books and ask if they could be on the podcast. And that was before the podcast was even released. You know, so it's already, I've got like little winks from the universe that I'm onto something and it's doing what I want, which is opening up the conversation for me and opening up my network. I love that. I think when you decide to do something just because you're passionate about it or find it interesting and you want to have those really great conversations or make connections, you're really taking more of a generative approach without having some specific expectation for the outcome. It's really funny how much can come out of uh, that attitude. I like that you said generative because there's a mantra or phrase in the work that, that I do in the community of people that I work with, which is language is generative. So the way that I look at that is that everything that we do, you know, uh, Dante 32, the work that I do, it, it starts with an idea, it ends up as a conversation, and then it evolves into something real. And it's often started with language and creating commitments and creating relationships through conversation. And then that creates and generates a different future, whether it's a shared future, or if it's changing the trajectory of, of something, but it starts with language. And I like thinking about that and holding that in my work and in the conversations I have, because that's like, that's where everything started. Like Apple started out as a conversation. Facebook started out as a conversation. So do you think uh, the podcast is allowing you to do that in a way that a different medium or a different kind of channel wouldn't like video or, or blogging? I think the simple answer is yes. The complicated answer is I don't know. <laughs> I think that the podcast route resonated with me uh, and having conversations really resonates with me and the, the way that the content is structured really works for me. I've tried writing. I've tried social media stuff, you know, on different platforms, trying to trying to be engaging and things like that. And I think the thing that I found is find the medium that works for you and then really push into it. And getting into this podcast and getting into creating the founder's mind felt like a very organic process. And it's something that has continued to evolve in a way that feels very natural for me. And now I have, from the recordings that I have and the interviews that I have scheduled, I have weekly content scheduled out through October, which feels amazing. I don't know if I could do that on another platform for me. So how long has it been since that first conversation about the founder's mind as a podcast? This actually started in the fall of 2017. And it started with a, this idea where I was observing that I was having all these interesting conversations and I was learning a lot. And I started thinking about this, this idea of making the podcast. I don't know if it was my dad or, or someone, but I kind of just mused about this idea of making a podcast and uh, he was supportive and we chatted about it. And then the way that I work through any new idea is I start playing around with names and then I start to search the internet to see if the name is available. And so we were talking about what would the focus be? And it was, you know, internal conversations that founders and entrepreneurs and executives have, you know, we, we always have the self-talk that we're working through. And so it's, you know, conversations in our minds and, you know, I, I kind of posed this idea, what about the founder's mind? 
And we were both like, oh, that sounds kind of good. And I, I use a website called Namecheck, which I think is amazing for anyone who has many ideas. You type in whatever the name is, and then it searches every platform out there. And it just gives you a green tile or a red tile if it's available. And it searches all the domains too. So I typed in the founder's mind, the founder's mind.com was available. And I was like, okay, that's kind of good. I like that. And then like all the social handles were available. And so it went from quickly from a conversation to like spending $15 to get the domain and getting all the free social media handles. And then went on Squarespace and made a landing page. So very quickly went from like dialogue to something that was at least on the internet that someone could look at and start to envision. So from that day that you put the founder's mind in name check to now, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned or something that you know now that you wish that you'd known then? I think one of the biggest lessons right now, and so it started in the fall, like I said, I was like, this is awesome. And I was like, I'm going to release my first episode in January and cool. And then, uh, I recorded like seven or eight episodes in quick succession, October, November, December. Uh, and so I was like, I've got plenty of content to uh, just, you know, be able to release episodes pretty regularly. And then I started editing them and I was like, holy crap, this is a lot of work. <laughs> I would say the lesson there and the takeaway is, okay, the things that I'm good at are finding people to talk to and getting people on the show and recording the show. Like I'm good at that, really good at getting people on the show. I would say I'm okay at editing, but it's not engaging for me. It was starting to be exhausting. So I think maybe I, I could have done a little bit more of an inventory on, hey, where do I think I'm going to be really successful in this process? And where do I think I'm going to need support and find that support sooner? Uh, so I found my editor, uh, actually someone who I know, I've known for a little bit, but we ended up talking about him editing my show like in March. So there was a big gap between January and March where I was kind of just coasting and saying, I'm recording episodes, but I'm not editing them and the content is building up. So I think that that's probably the biggest piece is that inventory of what you're good at, what you could use help on and finding the people or uh, multiple people that might be able to help. So I'm going to borrow one of your go-to questions and ask, what do you find the most energizing about this whole process? <laughs> I appreciate that. What gets me the most energized? Honestly, it's it's this idea right now with the podcast is that people are really open to being on the show and just being a partner in conversation about what they've experienced. And in being in those conversations, it's really humbling to just have the conversation and learn from people and hear people really honestly sometimes open up in a way that I didn't expect. And people are, will be very honest and can be very honest. And that for me is really energizing because I think one of the greatest things that we can do as people uh, is be in relationship with other people and not connections, air quotes that you can't see on a podcast, but like real relationships, talking about real things that have meaningful impact on our lives. And that's what this podcast has opened up with sometimes complete strangers. So that is really energizing and I think the potential of people listening and finding something that really ignites them or is meaningful to them in their life. I can tell you that the person, Roy, Roy Matz is my editor. We met in a cafe in Tel Aviv a couple of years ago. That's a whole other story. But 
I love talking to Roy as he's editing the show because he'll talk to me before an episode's even released. And he's like, Adam, I was listening to this moment and it changed how I was looking at something. And it's not me talking, it's a guest. So that for me gets me super energized. I was actually listening to one of your Tangent episodes and Tangent, I love that that's what you've named those bonus sections. I think it's really great. I think it was with Sean, you were having a conversation about connection and building community and the idea of authentic relationships and how much that can be missing even in our hyper-connected from a technology standpoint world. So it's one of the things I really love about the medium as well. Because I think when you read something that really resonates, it's such a, I get such a high from that feeling of, oh my gosh, like somebody else out there is speaking to, has written about something that I've felt before. But to then hear someone say that in their own voice and to get the emotion behind it is just really powerful. So I totally agree. And when you just said that, it made me think of another major reason why I started The Founder's Mind. There are lots of great podcasts out there with people that have seemingly made it. And I I don't want to say that that's not a great body of work and content. Like I love listening to Tim Ferriss interview people that I admire. But one of the other big pieces for The Founder's Mind was this notion that it's hard to feel connected to those people and the struggle that they went through in the beginning or the challenges that they faced because they feel so much further along in their journey. And one of the things that the reason why I started the podcast is to interview people that feel more like peers or feel like maybe they're just beyond you. Maybe they're a couple steps ahead. They're not 20 steps ahead. And you can really get that sense of, wow, like this is real. And I feel like I'm there with them or I am maybe one or two steps behind them, but I can see how I would be in that position. And I think that that for me, creating a little bit more relationship and connection between listeners and what other founders are going through, it was another big focus of mine. Yeah, I, I, we had somebody, uh, we were talking to another um, podcaster and they used the phrase, uh, teach where you're at. And uh, I thought that was a really good way to kind of sum up some of the some of the points that you just made about kind of like the peer aspect of mm-hmm. of what you can learn from your peers and not have to kind of you know look at the people that you feel are are so far ahead of you, but you can actually learn uh, a significant amount from them. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we forget sometimes. You know, we're fed a lot of advice just like everywhere in the world whether it's personal, whether it's professional, whether it's anecdotal or celebrity advice, we're fed a lot of advice and we forget that we can learn a lot just by opening ourselves up and letting people open up to us and be in conversation and say, oh, this is actually supposed to be hard. You know, going to work every day, trying to get a promotion, starting a company, you know, trying to build an empire is actually really, 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 really hard. It's not the three seconds on social media that you see or the fact that Mark Zuckerberg is the third richest person in the world. That didn't happen in a night. It didn't happen in a year. It didn't happen in a decade. You know, it happened over a decade and a half. And he sacrificed a lot, most of which we won't even know about. Yeah, I think it gets back to the idea that, you know, Jen alluded to earlier, which is like the conversation and the transparency and the the clarity around it. So, you know, you, you talked a little bit about kind of like how, PR firms are reaching out to you uh, to kind of find your guests um, 
in some cases. What about the other relationship that you have with your listeners? What does that look like? And what, if any, interactions do you have with people that listen and, and consume your show? So that's a great question. And the answer is TBD. Right now, it's me putting content out there. So it's me releasing episodes. It's me talking it up on social media. And I haven't had a lot of input back. I will say that I've had, I think, 15 reviews on iTunes, which is exciting, and four written reviews on iTunes. So right now, I feel like the people that are listening are like in the cheerleader phase of the podcast where it's like, yeah, like super excited to see it out there, love the content, and I'm looking forward to a slightly larger audience where there can be a little bit more engagement like you're talking about. One of the things that I'm interested in doing is learning a little bit more as the listener base grows. What questions do the listeners really appreciate? What really hits home? Is there anyone specific they'd like on the show? And kind of go from there. That's sort of the vision. But right now it's a growing listener base, which I'm excited about. You know, it's not viral, but very few things are viral, but it's incremental and it feels really good even in 30 days. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think what most people consider viral is actually just uh, their group discovering it. Yeah. Um, And it usually has existed for a long time prior in in just a different group that they weren't connected to. So, yeah. And so what do you envision, you you know, you you say the connection with the listeners are TBD and and kind of a back and forth that you hope for. How do you envision that happening? Are are there ways that you're going to engage your listeners or, or ways that you prefer your listeners engage with you? I like Instagram. And so I'd like to, and I am working on this now, and I'd like to continue to work on this partnership of people listen to the podcast and people follow the founders mind on Instagram, because there's a lot of engagement that you can do with Instagram stories and even a lot of different ways that you can post content on Instagram. I mean, it can just be audio. It can be video. It can be an image. It can be text. I think that that would be one of the primary ways. I think building a bit of an email list, which I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, I know I have my website is another way to engage listeners. And I think the big thing, finding what resonates with listeners beyond just looking at the analytics of the podcast and finding what listeners are looking for in the conversations that I'm having. This goes back to the very beginning. I'm in a position and I'm creating a position for myself in life and in the world where I can make time to find the people I want to interview and interview these guests. And if listeners want to hear from someone specific or if they're really, maybe we're working through something big at a societal level or in tech or something that's relevant, uh, being able to solicit that. So through Instagram, and they just added the questions uh, piece on their Instagram story. I don't know if you saw that. You can literally, on the story, you can post a question and people can just fill in the blank, which is kind of cool. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. Yeah. So like celebrities like David Chang, who's a chef that I admire, he asked a question and then people have been like screenshotting and just sharing the question answers and then answering them. It's kind of cool. I think using tools like that and taking the podcast making it more dimensional, 3D, if you will, from just Apple Podcasts and a website uh, and using the platforms that people engage on. Do you look to other podcasters or the the podcasting community at home to kind of like exchange ideas on, on what that looks like and what that engagement could be? Very good question. And the answer, and it's shameful, is I haven't done a good job of that. But I think that's a big area that I can improve in is engaging with people in the podcasting community. My sense is that it's tight and it's very supportive. And it's also, even though it's an audio recording and it's basically in essence a radio show, I think that there is a ton of growth potential still in the community. So I think that there's a lot of, I'm figuring things out. 
you're figuring things out. Let's help each other. Yeah, that's definitely what we've found in talking to a lot of different podcasters. The community itself is really welcoming, but podcasters on an individual level can feel really isolated. So making those connections a bit easier, the little bit that we've been able to do that through this process has been really cool. And talking about podcasting in general, are you looking to do any additional podcasts beyond the founder's mind? (laughs) So talking about being generative and having conversations, there have been a couple, there have been a couple different podcast ideas that have popped up since the founder's mind. So this is, it's a blessing and a curse. I have lots of ideas and I'm excited. I get excited about things really easily. So that's a blessing. I think the curse is that can be really distracting. So I've got a couple ideas, one in the realm of parenting and being a dad, not a dad yet, but I'm expecting, which I'm very excited about. And the other is around uh, masculinity and manhood, uh, because it's something that I think about a lot. And I think that we're talking about it a lot more, which I'm excited about, but I'm in partnership with other people with these other ideas, which is, it will be different for me. The founder's mind is I'm the host, I'm producing it. I don't have a co-host. Uh, I have an editor, which is wildly helpful, but with these other, the, the sort of the dad one and this, the, the masculinity one, which there's, they feel similar, but they, they also feel distinctly different. Um, when talking about it, I'm exploring the possibility of co-hosts in different formats because I think, I don't know, there's something about podcasting that is really engaging and I try and move towards the things that pull me, uh, as long as it doesn't torpedo the work that I'm doing now and, you know, having an income and things like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's super interesting because those two topics, I'm, I'm a father myself. I have two small uh, sons, ages four and two, and one of the things that struck me was I would be super scared if there was a recorded history of what I thought before parenthood and what I thought after parenthood. <laughs> but what I've also noticed is that something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is is masculinity and and you know raising two small boys and seeing how the world is is treating them and and what, placing expectations on them as well as kind of myself being a, a man. Um, I think it's it's a fascinating topic and I think there's a lot to explore there. Yeah. Not to get too much into either of the potential topics, but just in general, there are a lot of areas, actually most, we're just not talking about things. I mean, it goes back to relationships, communication, being in community. There are so many things that we're just not talking about. And I think that's one of the reasons why, again, I started this podcast, The Founder's Mind, is to talk about all the crap that we worry about and the challenges that we have. And, you know, with this, these other potential podcasts, you know, with the dad one, it's more about the cultural sort of relationship to what is being a dad and how it's shifting and how the United States is, you know, pretty far behind some other countries. Uh, And with masculinity, I mean, there's no, like the Me Too movement, you know, I always tell people it's amazing that we're having this public conversation, but for anyone that thinks it's new, you have a lot of sort of research and learning to do. This is just more public. It's not new. And so I think that with the masculinity one, there's a big element there where we're just not talking about really, really important core things in our society and even within ourselves. So you're a dad of two boys. And I imagine if I have a boy, there's an element of how will I guide a white boy turn white man into what his role is and what his sort of historical context of 
just the external factors of who he is in our society. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think what you'll find interesting is you're going to have to do that at the exact same time that expectations on you as a you know, uh, 20, 30 something white male are also changing. And so you're going to have to kind of like look at your own history and your own upbringing and, you know, try and combine those two things. So you're learning to play the piano a day before you're teaching your student. Yeah. I have something that I have yet to write, but I'll give you the title. It's I won the lottery and, and received my inheritance the same day is the sort of working title. Uh, and it's about being born in a specific zip code to certain socioeconomic realities, which were all positive. And, you know, then the external elements of who I am, which is, you know, a straight white guy but really digging into privilege and, and acknowledging that and opening it up because we just, we talk about it at a actually kind of surface level, in my opinion. You know, even a few episodes in, it's notable with the guests that you've had so far on the founder's mind that the diversity element and underrepresented voices definitely seems to be a focus of yours. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. I'm actually glad you brought that up. Uh, and I'm really excited about that being even more obvious over time. But one of the things, and this kind of ties back to some of the leadership work that I do, we talk about diversity and inclusion as this like body of work in the leadership space and just in society. And I'm really desperately and actively trying to not make it it's a standalone piece of work. And the fact that it's just a reality, we are all three of us, there is a lot of diversity within the three of us, even if we don't, you know, even if we don't dig into it. But when we start to look at people and individuals, we start to discover all these differences. And it's what makes us great. And I think the obvious ones around race and gender, sexual orientation, disabilities, and all sorts of things like that. But with the guests of the founder's mind, for me, one of the things that I've observed with other podcasts is the guest lineup is pretty, I say the word vanilla for two reasons. One, you can take it for the the suggestive side, but also that it's pretty like on all sides. Like if you're a black podcaster, you have a lot of black guests. And if you're a white podcaster, you have a lot of white guests. And I see that in general. And I didn't want to create a podcast that's exploring the founder experience, that's exploring the ins and outs of being in venture capital or tech without acting building a group of guests that just have a ton of different realities and experience and have different backgrounds and are different races and are different genders. Because the truth is, there are definitely shared experiences, but then there are definitely very unique experiences to the different categories. And if listeners are just hearing one perspective, we're just not moving the needle in changing the conversations that we're having and changing people's understanding of what does it mean to be a black woman in San Francisco with a software development company? It means that you're almost the only one, you know, it means that you're really in a small group, you know, and it's wildly different than being a white guy in San Francisco with a software company. For sure. So when it comes to your podcast, what's next for you? Like, where do you want to go from here? Yeah. So yesterday was officially like the 30 days since I launched the founder's mind. And I don't have, I'll say at the time of this recording, I don't have like a huge following on social anywhere. So it's not like I released a podcast and then tweeted to like a hundred thousand people, check out my podcast. Like I don't I have 400 no followers, you know, like the next thing for me is just to keep doing what I'm doing, which is getting, continue to book guests, continue to put episodes out weekly, continue to put tangents out, continue to talk about the podcast on the different platforms that I'm on and try and engage with people. And the reason why I say that is because 
I know that I am in the early stages of building something. And if I look at this week by week or month by month, I'm not going to see what it could be. So my personal belief is if I just keep doing what I'm doing and be consistent and keep making incremental improvements, maybe on audio, maybe on my interview style, that in 50 episodes, in 100 episodes, it's going to be shocking what the change in growth will be. Yeah, I think remembering to stay focused, knowing that you're going to look back someday and be surprised at how you got to where you are is a really helpful perspective in a whole host of areas. And frankly, one of the things you just need in order to jump in and get started. To be honest, jumping in and getting started is one of the reasons why I'm doing all the things that I'm doing. Like I started coaching at 25, 26, because I, I thought to myself, it's going to be hard. It's going to take me a while. But by the time I'm 35 or 36, I'll have been doing this for a decade. And I can't even imagine what that would be like. And I'll have put in a lot of time. You know, in the podcast, it's the same thing. It's just getting it out there and saying, well, this is going to be far from perfect, but it's going to be something. And by the time I get to 100 episodes, if, I, if I've committed to myself this consistent sort of approach to getting guests, releasing episodes, again, building on each episode, I'm going to look back and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that it's going to be much bigger than it is today if I continue to do what I'm doing. And very timely inspiration as we are just getting started with this podcast. Adam, thank you so much for talking with us today and sharing your story. For folks who are wanting to connect with you and learn more about the Founders Mind or the Kadar Group or the additional podcast that you're going to be starting, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited about the work that you all are doing selfishly as a podcaster. And just to be able to talk about some of these things, I actually find even in the context of a podcast, just articulating what you're working on can be really helpful. So I appreciate it. How can you follow me? I'm on social media, Twitter, Instagram, on LinkedIn, all that stuff. Adam Mutchler, at Adam Mutchler. You can kind of find everything from there. I have a link tree link in my profiles that has the Founders Mind, that has the Kadar Group, that has my writing and other things. Try to keep that simple. But the Founders Mind is easy, at the Founders Mind on all social media, thefoundersmind.com. So yeah, that's where you can find me. That's where you can find the podcast. And if you have any questions, I'm really responsive. Just reach out to me. I love talking to people. I love meeting people. Fantastic. We'll be sure to include all of that in the show notes as well so that people can get in touch. And thanks again. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation again in, say, six months when we're both further along and seeing where we're at. Yeah, we'll do a little uh, off the record check in at uh, Podcast Movement in Philadelphia. There you go. That's perfect. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thanks, Adam.